Hello, my name is Joanna Bailey. And my name is Tom Boone. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we will give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let us get on with the show. Coming up in today's show, we recap the latest impacts on aviation of the coronavirus outbreak, and Boeing gets its first order of 2020. We take a look at the growth of Stansted and how it's becoming London's third long-haul airport, and some United Airlines passengers hit the jackpot when they get downgraded. We'll also discuss a drone sighting causing chaos in Frankfurt. So let's begin. Okay, Tom, so the topic of the year really so far has to be mentioned. It's um, all about the coronavirus. And uh, if we hadn't heard enough of this over the last few weeks, it appears to be spreading and more airlines are becoming impacted. So I thought it was worth just giving a quick recap of some of the more interesting stories that have come out of the last sort of week of aviation news. Um, So looking really to Asia... Obviously, the the Chinese and other Asian airlines are some of the worst affected. Um, I just saw today that Cathay Pacific has uh, cut flights by 75% and they've got some 120 aircraft literally just sitting on the ground with nowhere to go. Um, And that equates to almost half of their fleet. So I think they've got to be one of the worst affected airlines out there. They they had a 50% share of the flights between Hong Kong and China mainland, and 90% of those flights have been cut. Um, so they had to ask like 25,000 staff to take a three-week unpaid vacation um, just to try and rein in the costs associated with this outbreak. So it's not been good for Cathay and it's not been good for a long time for them because they've only just got over this big impact last summer of the Hong Kong protests and they were just kind of getting back on track. And now, obviously, they've had to cut some of their most lucrative routes, which is a, a real shame for them. Um But it's interesting looking at the different ways different airlines are trying to cope with um, the impact of the coronavirus. So uh, something that happened over the weekend was AirAsia X launched this ridiculously cheap flight pass um, that they're calling the Unlimited Pass. Um, Sadly, it's only for people actually living in Malaysia. Otherwise, I'd be right on there because it only costs $118. Um, And that enables people to fly, they're saying, for an unlimited amount of times between um, Malaysia and Australia, Japan, Korea, China, India. And they say that you can fly as many times as you like in one year, although you do still have to pay, obviously, the, the government taxes and fees that are applicable to those flights. So it's a really interesting concept, but I do wonder if maybe they're leaving out some of the terms and conditions here, because I can't imagine they're going to allow anyone to fly literally an unlimited amount for a whole year for that very small price. What do you think, Tom? Um, Well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the uh, taxes and airport charges there, because um, I think that's probably where the money from this will come from, um, at least to make it um, financially viable for the airline. Because yeah. I've had quite often when I've flown, I, I'm like looking to the price breakdowns and I think I've flown with a couple of European airlines and the actual fare that I've paid has been one euro and the rest of it, like <laughs> the rest of 50 euros or something has been on airport taxes and airport fees and 
government taxes. Sorry, I'm just yeah. Um, so I'm I, I wonder whether the saving is going to be there for the airlines, but um, it's interesting that they're doing this as well because American Airlines famously had their unlimited um, their unlimited program, which somebody joined and got it taken away from them. Um, <laughs> And that For abuse story of the privilege, I believe, wasn't it? <laughs> I think that's what American Airlines said, but I think the guy had something to say about that. <laughs> we have seen a bit of a resurgence of these uh, unlimited flights because I think Wizz Air is, is planning something similar, isn't it? For uh, for people to sort of hop around and that the airline in Canada, is it called Flair Airlines? They're also doing one specifically targeted at students returning home from university and things like that. So it does appear to be a tactic that is coming back, but this is the cheapest one I've ever seen. And uh, it will be interesting to see how many people manage to make use of it and whether the savings are actually there to be had. So aside of Malaysia, um, one that I was quite disappointed about was uh, Junyao Airlines, um, who were due to launch some really interesting Fifth Freedom routes into Europe this year. They were coming from Shanghai to Dublin, Manchester, Reykjavik, um, all via Helsinki. So in theory, you could fly you know, between Helsinki and Manchester or Helsinki and Dublin and try out this really unusual Far Eastern airline within Europe on a short haul flight. So that was something that should have been starting at the end of this month, um, but it's now apparently been postponed indefinitely. So I guess they're waiting to see how the situation kind of plays out before they make any commitment to those. But disappointing to see, kind of inevitable, I guess. Yeah, I guess the thing with all of these cancellations is um, it's demand and uh, no one's wanting to travel on them at the, this point. So it's disappointing to see, but at the same time, you can't really justify flying an empty aircraft either financially or more and more uh, for the environmental cost of it as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And the one final bit of news I just wanted to mention on the kind of Asia impact was um, China Airlines, who were actually from Taiwan. <laughs> There's been a, an online petition launched, which so far, as I last checked, has just over 23,000 signatures to rename China Airlines to Taiwan Airlines. Um, because there's a lot of confusion from other parts of the world uh, as to where this airline actually comes from. Obviously, there's not a huge uh, amount of coronavirus issues in Taiwan. They're not a mainland Chinese destination. But unfortunately for the airline, because of their name, they were getting banned left, right and centre by other countries. Um, I believe that Vietnam banned them in February. The Philippines banned them just a couple of weeks ago. Italy banned them way back at the start of January. Um, and of course, there was a public outcry about this because they shouldn't have been on the banned list. Um, so whether they do get renamed remains to be seen. But I think maybe the world has a bit more of a deeper understanding about exactly where China Airlines comes from, <laughs> which is a good thing. So, of course, it's not just Asia that's being affected by um, the coronavirus and the disruption to flight schedules. So, Tom, do you want to give us a quick recap of what's happening in the rest of the world? Yeah, so um, I've been sort of focusing on Europe the last week or so in our reporting. Um, we're, it's one of the main areas that the impact is really being felt. Um, at the time of recording this, the World Health Organization said that there were now 1,689 cases of coronavirus in Italy, which is the third highest um, per country in the world. 
And then in Germany as well, there's now 129 cases, which is second in Europe. So it's starting to get a foothold here. And um, it's interesting because a lot of airlines have been cancelling their uh, Italy flights, not outright, but um, they've just been reducing the capacity because governments haven't said don't go to Italy. Um, unlike the advice to China from the UK Foreign Office was avoid travel unless necessary. That's not the case in Italy yet. Um, but there's still been a big, sharp decrease in um, people wanting to go there. So Wizz Air, for example, has cut at least 60% of its capacity to Italy. British Airways and EasyJet have also been cancelling some Italy flights. Um, on Friday, Lufthansa said that it would could cancel 25% of its um, short-haul and mid-haul flights, depending on how the um, disease progresses, and that includes Italy flights. And it also um, said today that it was going to be cutting capacity on domestic flights um, due to a drop in demand. And so far, Lufthansa has effectively grounded 13 aircraft, and what I mean by effectively grounded is that they haven't just parked an aircraft and um, put its covers on and said this is grounded. However, um, they've lost the capacity of around 13 aircraft, um, and they are expecting this to rise to 23 aircraft um, shortly. Wow! Um, and That's it's not got just to been be Europe... costing them a lot of money, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's costing everyone a lot of money. I believe Lufthansa's uh, frozen new hires and is investigating ways to um, cut costs, as is Frankfurt Airport. But mm -hmm. it's not just um, the European airlines that are feeling the effect of this Italy thing. For example, American Airlines has suspended flights to Milan until at least the 25th of April. Um, and like I said, it's not down to the containment efforts of this disease because it's now spreading. I wonder if it can be contained. Um, but the um, c capacity drops are all due to a fall in demand. Right. So regardless of what's actually happening on the ground, people just don't want to travel anymore. And you can kind of understand that. And I think uh, another big impact is going to be felt because a lot of these big events and festivals and exhibitions, uh, you know, they're just saying, no, it's not worth the risk. Um, for example, anybody who's into kind of aviation events will know that ITB got cancelled in Berlin this week. Um, and we should have had a reporter there, but obviously that's not going ahead now. So that will have affected a, a huge amount of travellers that were heading for Berlin this week. Um, and I, I don't doubt there'll be more things cancelled and, and issues going forward. So we certainly haven't seen the end of this, have we? Yeah, I think there's a good group of events that will be cancelled, but I'm not going to speculate on them here because I don't want to get into... Don't say um, Farnborough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think that Farnborough might still go ahead, you know, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, I hope so. But Everything while we're talking, is crossed here. <laughs> yeah. Um, while we're talking about disruption, should we talk about disruption caused by something slightly more technical than um, coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, so I heard all the flights got stopped at Frankfurt and it was nothing to do with coronavirus. So what was going on, Tom? Yeah, so it's interesting because I usually look out of my window working um, every day and watch the planes going into land at Frankfurt and the sky's been pretty empty today and that is because a drone was sighted somewhere at around 11.20 local time 
And as a result of this, the air traffic controllers taking safety first said, we're not going to have any takeoffs and landings um, as a precaution, as you'd expect, um, because the impact of hitting a drone can be terrible. It's uh, much more solid than a bird. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and so there were no takeoffs or landings for around two hours um, because flights resumed at around sort of one o'clock, one twenty, roughly. Um, and it was interesting because the stats from flight radar um, estimated that at least 70 inbound flights were diverted and 41% of outbound flights were cancelled with 28% delayed. Crazy. So, and just two hours. So yeah. it just goes to show just how busy Frankfurt Airport really is. huh? Yeah, it's the it's certainly the busiest one in um, Germany by a long way. So. I think it's um, like the fourth busiest in Europe, but I believe it's around there. Yeah, right in the middle of the day when you've got kind of all the short haul flights coming in mm. from the morning, that's got to have been an absolute nightmare. And I should imagine that even if the drone's gone now and dealt with, it's going to have an impact on the the flight well, yeah, schedules for the rest of the day. On, uh, the whole day, but um, one flight I did find interesting was Lufthansa's Flight Five Free from Hanover. Um, because that took off earlier today, and it tried to land at uh, Frankfurt at around 11.24, and uh, it went around because that was just after the flight had been, uh, the drone had been spotted. This flight then spent the next hour and 45 minutes circling around Frankfurt at around 6,000 feet. I actually didn't see it because I was stuck inside writing the story up. Um, but what was interesting was that the flight time of this aircraft from Hanover to Frankfurt was 35 minutes. So um, the passengers got an extra three times that for no cost, which <laughs> Doing depending nothing on your at view. All. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's depending on your view, that's either a, a bonus or a real annoyance. Um, <laughs> They've probably got some cool views of Frankfurt whilst uh, circling overhead. <laughs> I can imagine. I hope they waved at me. <laughs> um, and so then actually, this it still wasn't over for the aircraft because it tried to land at 12.53 and then went around, did another loop around Frankfurt and then finally landed at 1.07. Wow. So how long so, was that they were in the air in total? Um, so in total, they were up for well over like two and a quarter hours, roughly. For a 30-minute flight. Yeah, <laughs> very frustrating. I'm sure for those passengers, or yeah, uh, very pleasant if they were complete av geeks. <laughs> Yay, more time on a plane. <laughs> I did see though that some av geeks ended up in Nuremberg and had to take a bus to Frankfurt, which is not what I'd describe as fun. But oh, no, definitely it's better not. than hitting a drone. Absolutely, but as far as we know, the drone situation is resolved now. Um, is that right, yeah, Tom? Yeah, as far as we know, it's resolved. Um, it doesn't seem to be. Uh, we don't know if it's malicious or whether it's just some person who's clueless flying a drone near an airport. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it seems to be resolved because obviously the flights wouldn't have been resumed if um, there was still a worry about the safety. Sure. Hopefully flights, it was just so. a mistake then and not something by some crazy activists like it was yeah. at Gatwick I last year. I think if year. it was anything like Gatwick, it would still be ongoing. So I think it's sure. more a case of somebody who's oblivious to the rules on flying drones, which yeah. unfortunately is becoming more common as it's easier to get drones. True, true. 
Well, from a, a drone delivery to um, uh, something completely unrelated to drone deliveries, actually, I'm re really failing on a segue here, but <laughs> we saw something really good and we haven't been able to report good things for Boeing for some time, um, but they got their first order of 2020. Hooray! Uh, so, it's actually the first time since 1962 that Boeing has logged zero orders in a January. So, it wasn't a good start to the year for them. But Anna stepped up, ANA if you prefer, um, on the 25th of February with Boeing's first order for 2020. And this was for another boatload of uh, Dreamliners for their fleet. So, the order itself contained 15 firm orders and five options um, worth about $5 billion at list prices. So, a nice little windfall for Boeing there. Um, when Anna takes delivery of these Dreamliners, its fleet will number more than 100 aircraft. So, that's the world's biggest Dreamliner fleet. Um, so, specifically on the order, there were 11 Boeing 787-10s and nine of the smaller Boeing 787-9s. Um, obviously, the 9s will go on to operate internationally, the same as Anna does at the moment. Um, but the 10s, interestingly, are all slated for domestic operations only. And they will be the first Japanese carrier to operate the, the 787-10 on domestic routes. Um, so, what we're thinking is they're replacing some of their older triple sevens that they do fly domestically. Um, obviously, there must be a huge demand for domestic travel in Japan, um, being able to fill up triple sevens with people just flying from one part of the country to another. But some of these wide bodies are 20 years old or even older than that. Um, so, we'll see some of those getting retired when the, the 10s start delivering. So, the 10s are actually coming first in uh, 2022. So, as soon as two years time, um, they'll be delivered through to 2024 and the, the 9s will be coming after that. So, 2024 to 25. Um, so, I think couple of interesting things about this order, apart from the fact it was Boeing's first for this year. Uh, number one is that they're going to be used domestically. So, the question has been raised, will um, these increased sort of frequencies of cycles in short spaces of time mean that Boeing needs to actually reconfigure the, 78, the 787s for domestic use, a bit like Airbus did with the A350? I don't really have an answer for that, Tom, but it was an interesting question we were posed on the site. Um, maybe so. I don't know if it needs it. I understand that it can cause problems with the outer skin of the aircraft, um, but maybe the Dreamliners don't suffer from it because they're partially composite. Um, I'm sure we'll find out in time either way. So, the real kicker here is that Anna went for the general electric engines. Um, now, Anna has always been a Rolls-Royce customer for its Dreamliners. So, the fact that it's picked GE is really a bit of a kick in the teeth for Rolls-Royce, is it not, Tom? Um, I think it is, yeah. Um, it's a shame for uh, Rolls-Royce, but it also gives the, um, it will give ANA the flexibility of having both in the fleet, which personally for me wouldn't be um, a good choice because I think it's best just to keep things simple with one type, but clearly they haven't made the decision um, just on a whim. You know, there would have been a lot of business case going behind this. Sure, absolutely. Um, 
I did see that Rolls-Royce reported a $1.1 billion loss on the Trent 1000 last year. So they're still working to sort that issue out. Um, I believe there's about somewhere in the mid-30s of aircraft on the ground having the fix at the moment. Um, But they're hoping by the end of quarter two of this year that they'll be down to maybe 10 aircraft on the ground each month. So things are improving. Still a way to go. But for a change, good news for Boeing. Slightly closer to home, I wanted to talk about what's happening at London Stansted, which is an up-and-coming long-haul destination now. Um, It's about 45 minutes by train from London, which means it's the furthest um, of the big three, because Heathrow, I think, is about 15, 20, and Gatwick is about half an hour. Um, So that's sort of like the downside of um, Stansted. And for a while now, it's been known as a low-cost stronghold. So it's Ryanair's biggest base and um, it's also got a lot of EasyJet and um, some Jet2 in there, I think, as well. However, more and more, we're getting long-haul customers using the airport. Um, And that's interesting because in 2018, Stansted set a goal for 25 new long-haul destinations in five years' time uh, from 2018. And the first sort of year, we didn't really see anything. So it's um, a bit disappointing. However, it seems that airlines are now starting to um, take note of Stansted um, because there was Primera um, operating some long-haul flights to America from there, but since they've gone bankrupt, they haven't been there. Um, so at the moment, we had Emirates flying two times daily. Um, that's been going for sort of as long as I can remember, probably not that long, but <laughs> that says a lot about my memory. <laughs> um And then last year, we had a real interesting one because Air India launched uh, flights from Amritsar uh, four times per week. And Mm -hmm. that saw the Dreamliner um, at Stansted, which is a first um, for um, sort of regular services. And they followed this up by just over a week ago, inaugurating another route from Mumbai. Cool. So we've now up to two daily flights from Emirates and two different destinations from Air India. However, this summer is going to get even more exciting because the Israeli airline El Al is planning to return to the airport for the first time in just over a decade. And also we will have direct Africa flights because Air Senegal is launching flights from Dakar in June. So... That's sort of indicating that airlines are starting to take on Stansted as a viable long-haul destination. And there's sort of a couple of reasons why this could be happening. Uh, Can you think of any off the top of your head, Joe? (laughs) So, yeah, I'm sure there's quite a few reasons, actually, Tom. But one of the most pressing right now is the fact that, A, Heathrow has no slots, and B, Heathrow's not getting any more slots because they just rejected the proposals for the third runway. So, yeah, for the time being, Heathrow and um, Gatwick aren't getting many more slots. Um, And it's also, I think, um, it's slightly cheaper for airlines to use Stansted as well, because uh, like to get a slot for Heathrow costs millions. And again, if you don't uh, use it, you lose it. So um, that's not a good one. But what I find interesting is that JetBlue has been talking for a while about launching their London flights, but we're yet to hear where they will launch to. And I have 
it's it's just a gut feeling and it's in no way news or based on any rumors or anything um, but i <laughs> please don't report this <laughs> I, I do have a feeling that they could consider stansted because obviously jet blue is a low cost carrier um so i think that would be a fabulous move on jet blue's part actually mm. Um, you know, your, your low-cost connections are so much better at Stansted if you want to go anywhere other than London. You know, if you're coming across from the US and you want to head off into Europe and you're committed to your low-cost mentality, then it's a great airport for onward connections. Mm. And to be honest, you know, what's 15 minutes between friends, between Gatwick and Stansted? Yeah. It's no big and deal, I mean, really, is it? The, the difference is as well, sort of um, big carriers like American and United, you've got lots of passengers on there who are sort of traveling for business need to get bam 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 however it's it's mm-hmm. i'm not saying that business travelers don't use uh, low cost airlines um however you'd get less business travel on low cost airlines definitely well, apart from that mint product, mm. of course, <laughs> because if I was flying transatlantic and my business was uh, looking at the frugal way of going, then uh, I think I'd choose JetBlue's mint every time. Mm. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where they do end up and great stuff for Stansted. I mean, that's so exciting to see all these airlines arriving and uh, providing more connections, really, from what is actually a great airport. Mm. I think it will be Fab. great for the airport and great for the region as well. And I'm quite excited because it's even though I live in Frankfurt now, it's still my home airport, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, it's the one where you gravitate to, mm. isn't it, Tom? So good news for Stansted. Well, I think just to wrap it up today, I just wanted to share this rather unusual story about uh, some goings on across the pond. Um, United Airlines was... Uh, actually left out of pocket by $100,000 for downgrading some passengers. And there was only a few passengers actually involved. So what happened was UA363 was uh, running a service between Newark and Honolulu, which is roughly a 10-something hour flight, depending on the wind. Um, It's usually operated by a 777. um, But this weekend before last, it switched to a 767-300, which had roughly 10 fewer business class seats. So they were looking for 10 willing volunteers to downgrade. Um, Now, the interesting thing here is that it wasn't a full downgrade between business and economy um, because the aircraft actually had United's premium economy product on board. So the flight's normally operated by a 777, um, but they'd switched it to a 767-300, which has fewer business class seats. So they were looking for roughly 10 passengers to accept a voluntary downgrade. Now, it wasn't a full downgrade right back to economy um, because the plane that they were using actually had United's premium economy product on board. Um, They weren't selling any tickets for premium economy, but it was there. So these downgraded passengers didn't get the full-on downgrade. They got to sit in a seat with extra leg room and a nice footrest, and they got compensation. And they got a staggering amount of compensation, in fact, of $10,000 worth of flight travel vouchers per person. I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it, Tom? I mean, I would love to have been downgraded on that flight myself. It is ridiculous. I would have been at the front of the queue. You know, they still got their flight to Honolulu. They still got relative comfort. I mean, all right, it's not, you know, it's not United's business class, but it is a decent seat. Um, 
my question is, you know, how much is United going to actually end up out of pocket here? Because it's not cash, you know, it's not like they were dishing out $100 bills there. Um, it was just a travel credit. And I believe there are some fairly strict restrictions on when you can use it and who can use it. And I, I don't really understand the ins and outs of it. But are they actually going to spend this 10 grand or is it just fictitious money that's not really in existence? Well, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of passengers, I think, wouldn't actually end up spending um, 10 grand because you're never going to find flights that are exactly 10 grand. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, like if you build them up, you're going to end up at like, say, 9,554 or something. And then another one would put you at 10,072. Um, <laughs> so you're never going to get exactly the 10 grand. And also, it depends. Will these people want to travel that much um, especially with that's the it. coronavirus outbreak growing. Oh, well, yeah that's a that, whole nother thing I yeah. hadn't even thought about but I, I think they've got to be used within a year and I'm not sure they're transferable I think they've got to be used by the person that actually got given it um, as opposed to like their children or husband or whatever well, so I think it would be more useful if you were based in the US if you were based in Honolulu, um, obviously your choices would be far less because you've got to hop over to the mainland first. However, if you're in, say, Los Angeles, you could go to San Francisco for a weekend and then another weekend in Dallas... Yeah, could be fun. Mm. Well, I'm quite jealous of those those passengers with their 10 grand travel credit mm. because I would be sitting at home planning out my weekends for the next 12 months if I was them. Mm. It's interesting um, so, though. Yeah, will well, they will they get um frequent flyer points for these um these flights or does that is that excluded? Mm. I don't know. No, that's an interesting question. I might have to do some research on mm. that because uh, surely United's just given away like platinum membership for I mean, all those people. Yeah, I mean, for some people that might even be better than 10,000 worth of frequent flight uh, of travel credit. Absolutely. Yeah, give me elite status. I don't <laughs> yeah. want your money. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nice gesture by United, though, and I'm sure they had plenty of willing volunteers for the downgrade. I think that's about all we've got time for today, Tom. Um, I hope everyone's enjoyed it. We welcome any feedback on the podcast at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.